The following show was pre-recorded. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones, and stick around on the show tonight. It is the Radioactive team coverage of Sundance 2023. We're going to go deep into some pics, into some docs, into some weird midnight stuff. We've got Gavin Dahl. Shout out, Gavin Dahl. Hey, thanks for having me. Eric P. Nelson on the midnight coverage. Oh, hello. And logistics. We're going to get into that pretty quick. Rashawn Leak, Roundtable Tuesday. This is your night. What do you have to say about Sundance to get us going? Oh, hey, hey, everybody, and all our listeners out there. Uh, I, You know what? I love that Sundance is in our backyards. You know, I, I, I really have always appreciated it. I like what it, I like what it stands for. It's, a, it's a really an opportunity for people who might not be in, in the, in the know, the full know about some of these, uh, maybe unknown artists or unknown movie makers, and or you know, so it's. For me, it's an opportunity for us to give them a glimpse into what could be coming. You know, Eric and I were talking about it off air about like, you know, some of these movies hit a lot earlier than they than they used to previously. But there's going to be a lot of movies. And I think between all of our all five of our lists, there's some movies that people might not, you know, might not have a chance to see on Netflix or HBO Max and in the theaters. So this might be their their only insight to seeing it outside of finding it on YouTube. And so this this is really a, a chance for us to broaden some people's horizons, if you will. Well, it's interesting, interesting to see how filmmakers are responding to the times and whether they're lagging or not. If there's COVID in here, if it's all COVID, there's zombies. I always love a good zombie flick. Um, but we're also going to get into some slam dance conversation. Autumn Thatcher, our red cor- carpet correspondent, and me, we've uh, got a couple credentials over there and some things to share, uh, including Sign the Show, which is a documentary about ASL sign language interpreters at rock concerts, at events, yes. and making sure that that is part of, of the culture. And so stick around for that. But we're going to start with some rallies and resources, keeping it all to film how do we do Sundance? Eric P. Nelson, our Sundance in 60 correspondent. Um, krcl.org. There you go. That is how. Sundance uh, tab. To Sundance tab. Um, links and everything is there. But a big one is just um, setting up your Sundance account, festival.sundance.org. Um, once you set up that account, um, you can see the program, you can see the films, you can see what's happening here in Salt Lake. Um, we got some new venues here in Salt Lake. They're, they're doing films over at the Gateway now. That's mm. kind of Sundance headquarters is Gateway now. Um, for Salt Lakers. For Salt Lakers, correct. So here in Salt Lake, you've got um, the Broadway, the Gateway, the Grand Theater, and then Rose Wagner. So those are our options here in Salt Lake. Set up your account. Take a look. Um, And again, I think the big question this year was, is there going to be an online option? Are they going to bring that back um, after two years of having having to be online? Um, They said we're going in person. um, And then they said we're also doing online. So no matter where you are. Yeah. Who, however many people are on your couch this in your house, learned. this They're is not how checking. you can do Sundance, which <laughs> is kind of fun. You get to do Sundance screenings at your house with your friends, with your people, and see these movies no matter where you are. You yeah. might be here in Salt Lake. You might be across the country. You might be across the world. Now, what about logistics if you're on the ground in Park City and parking? If you have a, a jetpack, that is the <laughs> best option. Um, but Hoverboard. The, yeah, uh, the park and rides are by far the best way to do it. The new big one out there is the Richardson Flat Park and Ride. It's like 800 parking spaces. Um, it runs from 5 a.m. to 2 a.m. So it is all every day. Every 20 minutes? Every 20 minutes throughout the festival. I highly recommend that. Um, if you're trying to head in town and find a magical parking spot, if you don't find it, you're going to get dinged with uh, paying for parking, and yeah. you just don't want to do that. What about loading up snacks? What is your go-to snack, Gavin Dahl, when you're at the uh, film festival or such events? I like to procure popcorn from the theaters I attend. So if I'm if I'm at oh. your theater, I'm buying popcorn. Uh, I also am really partial to 
uh, alcoholic beverages <laughs> consumed during depressing documentaries. Um, given Utah state laws, uh, I have no have further comments. You're going to have to adjust coming from, from Colorado. I like to go with the junior mints and maybe some protein bars because if you're going to see several movies in a day in person, you might not exactly have the opportunity. So, folks, you got to really train for this. You got to plan for yeah, it. Yeah. It's They can be long days. Um, do you have a go to? It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. yeah. What's your go-to snack, Rashawn? So I, I like to hit up, usually I'll go to movies on a Tuesday or a Thursday, which so happens to coincide with Buffalo Wild Wings doing their half-price wings. <laughs> so I like to uh, go in with my <laughs> wing of choice and similar to pocket? our fine. Oh, I, so I go in, If uh, let me paint a picture for our listeners. I'm I'm more of a <laughs> oh, Quasimodo type and I, and I throw it in the back of my jacket. And it looks like I might be a under hunchback. the dread. Yeah, I do, like I let the I let the locks hang low, Laura, wow. so it could it could hide the hump on my back. You heard it here <laughs> the first. The wings hump. Oh my gosh! You ever wonder where that smell's coming from in the theater? <laughs> it, there what? it is, back it's row, Rashawn. back row, right in the middle. Eric P. Nelson, you got some go-to snacks when you you have like the whole neighborhood over for a hybrid screening in the in the shed. It's uh, gummy worms, chocolate covered peanuts, and pickles. And pickles, I you know I I can go with or without the uh, popcorn. Depends on how long the movie is yep. and hydration schedule. But otherwise, I'm classic red vines, junior mints, yep. preferably frozen. Which Ooh. you know, if you just leave them in Ooh. the car overnight, frozen red vine, yeah. huh? I haven't yeah. done that before. Yeah. I, I'm I'm big on uh, dark chocolate percentages. So yeah. if you if you're dropping below sixty percent, yeah. you know, down into the fifties, uh, that's too much milk chocolate for me. But then I also don't want to go too strong. Once yeah. you get above seventy five percent, that's a little dark for my taste. So Goldilocks right of chocolate sweet here. Spot. I like that kind of two thirds percentage okay. around sixty six. Okay. If if you're gonna get me some chocolate bars, guys. All right, so we've kind of covered some logistics. There is word about the new app. This is one of my beefs and I would like some Sundance beefs as well Uh, and we're going to give them lots of praise and plaudits but my beef is the app every year it supposedly is going to be ready for download and update on the 16th the 16th of January, according to my inside source. All right. So be looking for the app. Because I tried to find my schedule on the old app and it's not connected. Yep. But Sundance is working on it. There's a lot that goes into it. In fact... Uh, I, as I recall, you can still volunteer for Sundance. The deadline is oh. tomorrow. Nice. It's a great way to see Sundance um, and also get some besi- behind-the-scenes action, especially if they have a panel before or after the films. Um, we know lots of folks in the KRCL volunteer family that also yeah. volunteer for Sundance. So, for sure. folks, the link is in Rallies and Resources at krcl.org. That is under the Community Affairs tab. All right. Autumn Thatcher and I Zoomed a conversation yesterday about slam dance as well as her Sundance picks. Here we go. Autumn, it's good to see you again still on Zoom, which is something that will continue at Sundance. Yep, it's good to see you too, Laura. So what are you looking forward to at Sundance 2023? It starts the 19th, runs through the 29th this month. Well, I know that we're on Zoom and that the Sundance is going to be virtual again, but it's also going to be in person. And I'm actually really excited about being out there in Park City in the freezing cold on the streets looking for fun things to do. So are there some top items that you're trying to keep an eye on? Um, Well, I have a couple of films that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'm looking forward to, I'm hoping to see uh, the documentary, I Am Little Richard, or Little Richard, I Am Everything. I'm hoping to catch that one. There's also a, a film I'm looking, I'm hoping to catch it's called Cat Person, and it's it's a film that's based on a short story that supposedly that ran in the New Yorker that's supposed to be one of the most read short stories ever. Um, and I actually, admittedly, haven't read the short story, so I need to read it before I go see the film. But I'm very intrigued about that. And then, as far as events go, um, I'm still kind of keeping my eye out as they come in to figure out which ones I'm going to try to catch, but I'm hoping for some really good panels. Any stars or topics in the, you know, the events that aren't on the screen, but uh, you can attend in person or remotely? Well, I'm waiting to find out a little bit more on that for the in-persons, because right now I've gotten a lot of stuff on the films and there's a lot of virtual premieres, which um, usually the premieres are where I would go and do the try to get on the red carpet and talk to some of the stars and stuff, but I'm not quite sure yet 
which stars are going to be in person versus who's going to be um, virtual. But I know that there is a documentary on Willie Nelson and the family that's supposed to be the first documentary ever done on Willie Nelson and at least maybe the first one that he's approved. I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> I would love if I got to go see Willie Nelson in person and just say hi. I mean, how epic would that be? I know. It's a new series, um, really reality TV style, and they haven't said yet if Willie's going to be at the festival. So mm -hmm. if he is, you need to get that microphone in there. Yes, for sure. <laughs> now, you're also going to be doing some slam dance coverage for us, kind of the Sundance Alternative. It's been going for decades now, too. And its dates are January 20th to 26th in Park City and virtually from the 23rd to the 29th. I know there's already something that's caught your attention and my attention. What's yours? The film that caught my attention is about, it's called The Mad Writer. And it's about a rising hip hop artist called, I'm going to say this wrong because I unfortunately don't speak French very well, but it's Lorange, like Lorange. Lorange. See, it sounds way better the way you just said it. Um, but it's a, it's a documentary that talks about um, this hip hop artist who has, is kind of experiencing, um, his, his name is Austin and he's experiencing anxiety and depression as he undergoes several surgeries, um, dressing mysterious tumors in his ear canal. And so I just thought it would be really interesting to, you know, watch that film and learn, learn his journey and check out his music. And I would love to be able to speak with him as well, if that's a possibility this year. That sounds fantastic. I actually have an interview a bit to share here with Kat Brewer, who is the self-taught filmmaker behind Sign the Show about sign language at concerts and events. Here's a bit of our conversation. Kat, you come to this conversation that is at the heart of Sign the Show in a very organic way, experiencing uh, sign language interpretation at a concert. Can you take us to that moment? Sure. It was back in 2014, and I had been going to concerts since I was about eight years old. Um, I'm 51 now, so you can do the math. It was, it's been a long time. Um, and in 2014, it was the very first time that I was at a concert and I saw a sign language interpreter. And I was completely ignorant um, and had my mind blown because I didn't realize or understand that deaf people enjoyed music, let alone enjoyed going to live performances. So I started talking to the interpreter that was there and then communicating with the deaf attendees through the interpreter because I, I didn't know any sign language. And come to find out that, yes, just like hearing people, deaf people enjoy music, but they face a lot of challenges and barriers that hearing people like myself don't face when trying to get access to live entertainment. Um, and so I, I was heartbroken, and it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that I had this hearing privilege that I never really understood or recognized before. So I was going to write an article for the college newspapers where I taught. I've been teaching for 20 plus years, public speaking courses of all things. And a friend of mine, I was going through a really challenging time in my life. And my roommate at the time, I was telling him what I was going to write. And he said, you should make a documentary. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, mind you, like, I don't have any background in film other than watching films. And I didn't even own a camera. Um, so I went to Best Buy and spent a few hours and got a camera and then just started hustling for interviews. <laughs> started and, going to shows, talking to musicians, talking to sign language interpreters. In fact, a couple of the musicians are now executive producers on this project that's going to be at Slam Dance this year, Waka Flocka Flame, and also Matt Maxey, who started Definitely Dope, D-E-A-F, Definitely Dope, in 2014. Tell us about their participation. It's been amazing. I I like to tell, uh, when I tell the story about how I met Matt, it's kind of funny. I joke around that I stalked him on social media, which is kind of true. Um, he started to have a more, um, a bigger presence on social media. And I was reaching out to him because, I mean, first of all, if you just look at his smile, it's contagious and you just want to be around him. And that's how he is in person. 
And so I kind of explained to him what I was doing. And he's like, yeah, like I'm super busy, but let's try to do an interview. So this was probably in 2016 that I finally got a hold of him. Now I'm going to fast forward a year in 2017. I was at Firefly Festival. I had a little bit of access to the pit just to take some pictures and videos. Caught Waka on video with him dancing with this interpreter, Holly Maniotti. And then kind of snuck backstage to ask for an interview. Um, And he was so gracious. He and DJ Who Kid allowed me to interview them. And we just kind of stayed connected. And it was also that night that Matt, that I met Matt for the very first time after a year of just, you know, chatting back and forth uh, and did his interview right after he had interpreted for Chance the Rapper at Firefly in 2017. So it just really all came together. Both of them have been super supportive and uh, I just feel like they're little angels in my life that have that have helped push this film forward. And Matt himself is an embodiment of what this conversation is about, having been born with a severe hearing loss and outfitted with hearing aids at two years of age. What is it that you hope the hearing public takes from this? Because there's some data in your documentary that talks about how big an issue this is for folks. Yeah, I I first and foremost, I would hope that hearing people recognize that they have hearing privilege um, and that they don't have to fight to get access for things that bring them joy, such as live music or live theater or comedy. They could just go buy their ticket and go. But it's not a simple process for the deaf or hard of hearing community to do that. And so I would love for people to, you know, have this recognition, have an awareness, and then to become an ally and an advocate. Um, you know, start asking their favorite musicians or performers to include a sign language interpreter um, in their writer um, to, you know, request at venues. You know, a, a hearing person cannot request an interpreter if there is not a need for an interpreter. So I'm not telling hearing people, hey, just go ask for an interpreter at a venue for any performance. That's that's actually illegal. Um, so I'm not advocating that in any kind of way. But if you have deaf friends, become an advocate, become an ally, reach out to your favorite artists, um, ask for inclusion so that the world can have more joy with, with everyone included, not just hearing people. And that is Kat Brewer signed the show, a documentary coming to Slam Dance. Another one I want to check out at Slam Dance is the punk rock vegan movie directed by Moby, and it explores the ongoing relationship between the worlds of punk rock and animal rights and how the music became a breeding ground for vegan activism. So Slam Dance has some really good stuff, too. Yeah, definitely. That one sounds really interesting as well. Any midnight movies or any uh, off the beaten path things that have caught your eye at either of these festivals that you want to close with? Oh, I know that Eric is going to come in with lots of midnight movies to talk about. Um, I I don't have any quite that I I'm have on my list, but I know that there will be some as I dig a little bit deeper into the program. Thank you, Autumn Thatcher. Thanks, you- Autumn. You can also check tonight's show notes for links to Sundance and the events that we're talking about there. I wanted to talk music briefly before we get into our big panel. Eric, I was asking you to look up some some info. I know Moby's in town for Slam Dance, but he's on a Sundance panel on Saturday the 21st because his movie at Slam Dance is punk rock vegan movie oh. investigating. You know, Moby's a notorious vegan, right? Notorious. So he is uh, investigating oh. that connection between punk rock mu- music and vegan and activism. So uh, if you're all up there, look for Moby for me. Get me a quote, okay? (laughs) What about you, Eric? What'd you find? ASCAP Cafe? Um, ASCAP Cafe, usually they do a big whole thing. This year, they've kind of simplified. It's just one afternoon, Friday, January 20th at the park. Um, It's 2 to 5 p.m. with a a smattering of uh, acoustic sets. They haven't announced who yet. Sundance, again, notorious for kind of last-minute stuff. So... Who knows? We'll see. But it's just an afternoon of music on the 20th. And we've also heard Indigo Girls are going to be playing. Indigo Girls will be playing opening night on Thursday. There's a movie about them. There's a movie about them. There is a movie about them. It's only life after all. Um, That's Indigo Movie. (laughs) The Indigo Movie. Indigo Girls movie. There's a Little Richard documentary. Um, And then there's a a documentary about the art, art duo Hypnosis who was behind a bunch of classic rock albums. Uh, they did a lot of the Pink Floyd stuff, and it looks fun. 
a, a fun Sundance documentary is a rarity. <laughs> so, so if you're looking for, for something fun in the documentary uh, field, um, it's called Squaring the Circle. Yeah. looks really fun. Plus, sign the show over at Slam Dance, which is, as we just talked about in that clip with Autumn Thatcher, all about sign language at shows. And, you know, we have actually experienced those challenges as someone who supports local, uh, local events and live events. It's something to always kind of keep top of mind. And as Kat Brewer said, you know, as an ally who is hearing, you can't ask for it, but you can support your friends who are deaf or hard of hearing in asking for it. That that can be made. Just got to plan ahead as this documentary shows the struggles. So to get us from here to our big panel discussion, everyone's top fives, Gavin, Eric, Rashawn, and me. It's kind of a song, but actually it's just the trailer for Punk Rock Vegan Movie, written and directed by Moby, right here on KRCL. Well, I think punk rock means something, you know. Next to everything, absolutely everything, everything has gone before, you know. Punk rock got me into politics, no social justice anti-racism, you know, women's rights, economic justice, uh, what have you, anarchism. I got introduced to the concepts of environmentalism through hardcore shows, concepts around like sweatshop, you know, fair trade, all of that. In the mid-90s, there was sort of this like revolution of just a million vegan straight-edge bands. Oh, and we were on a mission. We were like, we're going to educate people on animal rights. Like, that's going to be the focus of our band. When I became a vegan, it was very much like an animal rights thing. It was very much about animal liberation. KRCL's Music Meets Movies returns to Broovies on Thursday, January 12th. We'll watch a documentary called The Glamour and the Squalor about Seattle's most legendary radio DJ. Pardon the interruption to your broadcast. My name is Marco Collins, and I'm here to announce the end of bad radio on this frequency. It suddenly felt like Seattle was on the map in a way that it hadn't been before, and Marco was that megaphone. Marco jumped out of the radio and made you take notice. He was kind of a rock star himself. He was the on-off switch for your career. Bands that come to mind that Marco broke. Weezer. President of the United States. In the studio with me is Beck. He was early on electronic music. I have the Prodigy up next. Hi, we're from Daft Punk. Hi, this is Tom from the Chemical Brothers. Marco wasn't scared to put his weight behind a track that he believed in. Breaking the law! Breaking the law! He's playing music that we're not allowed to hear. You gotta be willing to pioneer. And that's the story of Marco Collins. That's KRCL's Music Meets Movies, January 12th at Broovies. Tickets at the door at 6.30, The Glamour and the Squalor at 7.30. More info at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL is hiring a production assistant to join our staff part-time and support the Radioactive program. Details are on our website, krcl.org. KRCL is an equal opportunity employer.
Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7 o'clock, it is Democracy Now! at 7. Late Night Lowdown with Connor at 8. Super Sounds with Chovy at 10.30. And then, of course, John Florence brings you a brand new day, weekdays at 6 a.m. Check out the last two weeks of any show on demand at krcl.org. Just click on the Programs tab, and you then click KRCL On Demand and sort by date and show. Makes sense, you know. That makes sense. sense. And it's all possible because of listeners who have donated in the past. So thank you so much. What's donating? What's KRCL? How come we're a nonprofit? You can check it all out at krcl.org. All right. Time to dig deep into top five picks. Gavin Dahl, KRCL's newest on the block, our executive director now at Listeners Community Radio of Utah. You got a tight top five that's already posted and up at krcl.org. Let's go through them. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing all documentaries. You know, there's a chance I'll I'll end up with a few fiction films on my list by the end, but uh trying to start out with kind of a focus on what I think is some of the some of that uh coverage that is so needed in the media of stories that uh, we just don't know enough about. And so um, this this first one just really excited me and I know is on Rashawn's list as well. It's called Bad Press. Uh, basically, it's a film exploring a community that wants to hold its government account uh, officials accountable, um, but they face obstacles to public access to information, you know, transparency. Um, one of the co-directors of Bad Press is the herself, the executive director of the Native American Journalists Association. Uh, her name is Rebecca Lansbury Baker. And uh, for folks who are sort of geeky news people, um, the different um, uh, journalist associations for different um, diverse groups uh, are really significant in the industry in trying to push for uh, more diverse views uh, behind the scenes, as well as um, you know who's being covered. And um, this story revolves around a reporter named Angel Ellis, who is um, reporting in Oklahoma, um, trying to give readers, um, you know, up to date, relevant coverage of the Muskegee Nation, the Creek um, uh, Indians. And so, uh, you know, it's it's basically um, about truth, about transparency and kind of the challenges of um you know, the integrity of uh, tribal officials and, and whether or not they can be held accountable without without access to that information. Well, and Sean, Eric, Gavin, as you well know, the we're losing more and more locally owned news outlets across the country have been for decades, ever since the rise of the Internet. And when you lose local media outlets, you lose Hold, that opportunity to hold your elected officials accountable. So this may be a very focused view into that issue, but folks, I'm sure you've seen it where um, lawmakers don't feel that they need to even respond to journalists' inquiries about issues affecting you and me. So it's uh, I'm interested to see how this plays out in this specific story. What's your next one? Another one is a, a new series. It's a three-part series. It's actually heading to Showtime, but its world premiere will be at Sundance. And uh, it's called Murder in Bighorn. Uh, folks probably know about the longstanding um, awful epidemic of missing and murdered indigenous women, indigenous people. Uh, one statistic that I was reading, I did some reading about this because I was interested in this series and sort of, you know, again, you're talking about big, big, big subjects, but trying to zero in on one particular, um, you know, piece of the story that you can tell in this in the course of a film or a TV series like this. Um, Native Americans make up less than 7% of Montana's population where this story takes place, but account for more than 25% of Montana's active missing person cases. So that kind of gives you a sense of how exceptionally uh, terrible this this subject is um, when it comes to the native population. And, um, you know, to me, the um, opportunity to learn more about what's happened with the Northern Cheyenne Nations and the Crow, um, you know, that's, that's a really key part of this story. Uh, one of the directors is uh, Roselle Benali, who's uh, Oglala, Lakota, and Diné. Uh, and so I think that's another part of what is so exciting about Sundance is um, you know the the platform that these um, young and diverse uh, filmmakers get to tell these important stories, and so um, th this is an example. And I know Eric's going to talk more about um, that. A lot of the films and and features uh, at Sundance uh, are already purchased, right, or are already have a destination. Um, I know one of the things all of us are is interested in 
doing is trying to get to those films that are not going to make it um, to further distribution. But this one uh, is going to be really important. I don't personally have Showtime, uh, but now that I work at KRCL, I get to be part of this Sundance team. So I'm excited <laughs> to um, to check this out. And and honestly, uh, uh, I'm expecting it to be pretty harrowing. I mean, this is this is really about unsolved mysteries. Um, the other thing that interests me about this one is that that you know often when we hear about this this problem and it truly has become an epidemic um, we get this impression that law enforcement is um, not doing their job or that there's uh, there's not enough concern or commitment to this whether that's you know tribal law enforcement or or um, you know other uh, US agencies but um, this this series uh, is really making the case that um, law enforcement is willing to sit down and be on camera and talk about this. So that's another thing I'm really interested in is, you know, we talk about accountability with elected officials. What about with law enforcement and, um, you know, how how authentic is the uh, perspective that we're getting from law enforcement? That's certainly one of my first questions when you look at this topic is, you know, what are we doing about it and, and who are those in charge? So I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, the other thing for me is the uh, climate crisis. A couple of films that I'm really excited on because I want to pass the mic here. Uh, Deep Rising, uh, narrated by Jason Momoa. So that's, that's probably on my list yeah. because Jason that's Momoa's gonna, narrated. Exactly, that's <laughs> going to catch a lot of people right there. Aquaman um, himself. Yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, uh, this is about uh, this is a film about deep ocean uh, mining. So it's it's following a mining startup called the Metals Company. Um, pursuing, you know, permission from the International Seabed Authority to mine the Pacific Ocean floor. So fascinating subject that I know nothing about and I'm um, looking forward to figuring out more. And, and whenever you talk about kind of corporate intrigue, secretive organizations or obscure federal government agencies that you didn't know exist, or in this case, not just federal, right? The International Seabed Authority. I don't even know who's at the table. <laughs> so I feel like this is an exciting opportunity to learn more. I'll certainly try to report back on that one. Um, the other one climate focused that I'm really excited about is coming from Appalachia. It's called King Cole. That looks great. And that's uh, director Elaine McMillan Sheldon. Uh, definitely an interesting one because they are touting it as a mix of documentary and imaginative fable. And this one I I actually watched some uh, cl a clip, and it just looks mesmerizing. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, really um, profound, you know, time in the history of these places where um, coal has been such a driver for economies, and yet we know uh, it's going away and probably should. So, um, so lastly, on my top five, a film called Food and Country. Um, I think probably a lot of folks have at least heard of, if not seen, director Laura Gabbert's film City of Gold. It's about the famous. Um, sort of underground food critic from Los Angeles, uh, Jonathan Gold. Um, and I, I loved that film, uh, loved the, the way that, you know, you, you could understand how uh, a reporter stopping into some random small restaurant in the side of a um, strip mall somewhere in, in, you know, some random part of LA, um, and then writing about how good it is could literally change the fortunes of that business, much like you've seen the impact of like diners and Drives or whatever. Yeah. Di <laughs> Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Thank you. All them. On, on restaurants in Salt Lake. Um, uh, but also, uh, Laura Gabbert made another film that I really thought was fascinating called No Impact Man, about a guy who basically tried to spend a year with as little waste as possible. And so so this is someone who, again, has an eye on f the kind of the intersection of food and climate. And um, uh, Laura Gabbert's film is called Food and Country. It's on my and list, too. Another uh, one, uh, Chasing Around a Food Writer. So... Um, excited to uh, get into the documentary scene uh, with Sundance, and you mentioned Sundance beefs or things we're yeah. we're frustrated about. My only frustration is that for some reason I was given a press pass that allows me to go to films in person, and my buddy Eric P. Nelson over here <laughs> is going to be in the screening shed, even though it's in, back to in person. So oh, that's yeah. my my only beef is yeah. uh, I want a little more uh, equitable distribution of the press passes within organizations. Well, I, and transparency from Sundance because I have no idea how they chose who to get the pass and why they I mean, didn't communicate that. Maybe they saw how nice the screening shed was and yes. say like, hey, He's maybe good. he just wants to be in He's there. <laughs> the price is right on those pizzas, that's for sure. Well, speaking of documentaries, as we pass the mic to the rest of our panel, 20 Days in Mariupol is on my list. It's also on Rishan's. Rishan, what are your tops? Absolutely. So yeah, I, I, I'll start off with saying like 20 Days in Mariupol. I think for me, 
it really picks up on some of the work that you and I have already done, Laura, mm-hmm. with radioactive. You know, we've when when Ukraine first popped off, uh, what two? Uh, it feels like two years, but I guess last year. We, we started really having conversations and with the help of uh, Tamrico, we had some closer and boots on the ground type interviews. But I think for me, for me, really looking at it, it, it almost reminds me of of how coverage was done uh, during the Vietnam War. And, and it was it was through news and boots on the ground that we were able to showcase what's really going on, because right now we, we live in this new world right, wrong, or indifferent, where we're talking about fake news and things like that. And then everybody's kind of scrambling to figure out like, okay, well, what what source is is really the source of truth and things like that. And so now we have this opportunity to spend, you know, 20 days with with, uh, journalists uh, investigative journalists who are right there with in in you know give us give us full front of the things that we might not experience because you know not everybody is is really engaging enough or or adventurous enough to go and put themselves in harm's way for the love of their craft and really love to make sure that information and the correct information is being shared and so for me my hope is when people start seeing this and realizing like what what is actually going on, it, it could help to really change some perspectives and maybe put some pressure on our local governments. And when I say our, I don't I don't just mean in, in here in Utah, but I mean across the globe of really why are why are we continuing to to send munitions and things like that? Are we really are we really having the Ukrainian people's best interests in mind when we continue to to support a war that is like I, and I don't know what it looked like to end it, you know, because I definitely don't want to see another just all of a sudden we just pull everybody out. And, and now we're left with Afghanistan 2.0 minus the 20 years of, of being over there. But but I think when people see firsthand what's going on, it changes, changes your perspective and it allows you to have a, a much a much deeper view. And, and maybe and my hope is we can figure out how to to really end this in this war. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I'll be curious to see what the folks in Ukraine say in 20 days in Mariupol, because there's a lot of folks talking about what Ukraine should do, what Russia should do. But I'm curious what mm-hmm. Ukrainians want to do. And hopefully that'll come out in this movie. What else exactly. is on your list? So I have uh, and I, I believe it's I'm going to say AUM. I don't know if it's um, OM, but it's uh, OM, a cult at the end of the world. At the end of the world, this one is this one. I remember vividly because I had just graduated high school when this kicked off. And 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 it was for me personally, the conversation was re reignited last week because Sean from Free Iran SLC brought this up. And he was talking about the, the chemical that was used in this specific uh, assault. And, I, and, you know, and, and unfortunately, because of the way uh, news works, the minute something is no longer on the front page, it's no longer being talked about. But it's always sat in the back of my head, like, whatever really happened to, to this organization? And then even further, what caused it? Like, you know, yeah. they, the, the group never really talked about what they wanted. They never and I don't know if this group, you know, I don't even recall this group taking ownership of that. They, you know, we were the ones who did this. And so for me, this is this is something that allows me to kind of scratch that itch, if you will, to just mm. get, get a better understanding. Because truth be told, I'm Joe makes fun of me. And, and for listeners who don't know, Joe's my wife. But uh, I, I really dive in. I dive into things that are bizarre, you know, like she'll come home and all of a sudden I'm watching something on white supremacy. And she's like, why? And, I, you know, it, for me, it's it just what what drives people to do such heinous things what drives people to join something because if you ask the average person does not think that this is right just like the average person will say like i i believe in true equity and equality and so you have these fringe groups that kind of go rogue if you will and so i always am curious to see the thought process behind that so it's a doomsday cult this is taking us back to the mid 90s and it's extremism and folks acting on their extreme beliefs do you think there's something to learn given what we're going through in the world a hundred percent my fear is that this is not just a documentary detailing 1995 but this is a documentary detailing 2023 and and it it, hopefully it's a wake-up call to say like if we don't set this ship straight and i said ship just in case fcc is listening (laughs) If we don't set this straight, 
this, you know, this is could be where we're going. And so I think it's an opportunity to really, you know, uh, look, look at the man in the mirror or woman in the mirror or person in the mirror, if you will, of what we could do to help make uh, things better and not fall victim to to these type of scenarios. You know, I think all of us have some docs on our list, but you and and Gavin seem to be leaving, leading the pack. And uh, there's one with Nikki Giovanni. You want to talk about oh, that one? You know, that's where I'm going. So my next one is going to Mars. And so Nikki Giovanni has, uh, she's got a special place in my heart. One, she was the first, uh, it was the first interview that not I conducted, but it was my work that I do with the Utah Film Center. It was the first film that we we that we showed, showcased. So it, it it's something that's near and dear. But also this is an opportunity to, you know, I think one of the taglines they have is, Giovanni urges us to imagine a future where black women lead and equity is a reality. And that has always struck me because, you know, while while as, as a male, as a black male, you know, there, there's there's thoughts that that people have about me, whether I can control them or not. But I think the one thing I've always gone back to is, is our our black women really get a rough foot. They, they there's a rough there's a rough vantage point that they're they're looked through. It's always like. If a black woman speaks up, now she's an angry black woman and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. I think it's a it's wrong. I, you know, obviously, I believe it's wrong, but I don't think there's enough there's enough showcase and enough people talking about it. And so I'm really interested to see the perspective that Nikki Giovanni has on it, because one, not only is she a black lady, but she's also a poet and she's also she's already out there. Yeah. And so she's someone who who, for lack of a better term, she is very recognizable. So if, if her as a black woman is dealing with this, what does that mean for for me, for me specifically, my mom, my sister, my cousins as, as black women? How do they how do they kind of broach these topics? Yeah, I'm also interested in how it, this movie is made, because in the description, it says intimate verite, archival footage and visually innovative treatments of poetry take mm-hmm. us on a journey through the dreamscape of legendary poet Nikki Giovanni as she reflects on her life and legacy. And, you know, radioactive. Uh-huh. We love our poets. Yes, so. we do. Snap, 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 y'all. This might have to be a screening for us at, at a later date, Rashawn, especially with our that. Black, Bold, and Brilliant partnership. Okay, two more picks from you. I know you got a longer list, but what are two more of your favorites? All right, two more. Uh, now I'm going into my music, and I think Autumn might have this on her list, so sorry, Autumn. But it's uh, it's only life after all, and that's about Atlanta-based singer-songwriters Amy Ray and Emily Sailors. And if you don't know, those are the Indigo Girls. And so for me, I've always been a fan of the Indigo Girls. Uh, and and it's it's funny because I don't recall. I want to say it was one of my, my buddies uh, back in the day, Tommy, who introduced me to them. And I have not looked back since. So I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in music. Music is one of my passions. And so having an opportunity to peel peel the um, peel the onion if you will or or slide the curtain back and get a look at some of some of I'd say some of rocks like two two badass women who have been doing it for the last what 20 plus 30 years and you know and and they are they're a special group and I I had the opportunity to see them last when they were in Salt Lake and so I just get a for me to get an opportunity to get a closer look at the Indigo Girls uh, intimate portrayal. I think it's just something that I, I'm really going to just be head over heels about. All right. And I lied. You get another, you get one more and a bonus because I was counting bad press from Gavin because you guys were sharing okay. that one. So you have two more. Okay. T- so my next one is Little Richard, I Am Everything. Uh, and is that on everybody's is, list? No, mm-hmm. everybody's it list. better be. I'm looking at y'all. It better be on y'all list. <laughs> but, but there is no way that as somebody who loves music, to not really pay tribute and homage to those who came before us, who those who paved the way. And there, as as a as a black wannabe musician that I am, there's no way I cannot say thank you to Little Richard, who who was unapologetically black, who was unapologetically himself. And it's just, it's just. I mean, I, I, I want to say I assume that everyone knows that Little Little Richard was uh, black and queer. 
but but it just just what he had to deal with because if you think about little richard you have to think about the time in which he was doing it at like so so when you think of the artists who are like prince and lizzo now like is there a prince is there a lizzo if there were never a, a little richard and oh, so yeah he, yeah he paved the way for so many people to just be to just really be unabashedly them and i think I can't imagine what he had to go through to do that because, you know, I mean, he's coming through with the Chitlin Circle Circuit, and if you don't know that, that is just—it's kind of uh, a, a mu—it's it's the musical green book, if you will, on places where it was okay for black musicians to play, and so he is one of the pioneers of of you know music for for us as we know it today. Okay, one more. All right, one more. Let me think. Let me think. Well, I gotta go. I'm gonna go old school, and and I'll say uh, Judy Bloom forever. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I, if, if you haven't listened to uh, our Radioactive Roundtable Tuesday, that you might not know that I have a English lit degree, and I don't know if I have an English lit degree if Julie Bloom never entered my life when I was in second, third grade. How did it enter your life? Because I know I mean, Judy Bloom. <laughs> I was, I, you know, I mean, I was a big fan of Ramona, you know what huh? I mean? Uh, but honestly, it was probably, you know, uh, we joke, Laura, with the reading as fundamental. But growing up in Jersey, we had like, you know, we had riff and, and you would get you know, the more books you read, you know, you'd get like little prizes from the library and things like that. And so it was just a recommended read for for little third grade, second grade Rashawn. And I just ate it all up and you know and so now it's just something that has always stuck with me so it's it's just she has a special place in my heart that's fantastic so Rashawn's going to be blogging about that all of us will put up some posts and share some of our favorite picks but what I'm hearing too is um, a connection to these stories Gavin and Eric and Rashawn um, that we've we found kind of a hook us and then we're looking to see the wider conversation Gavin yeah, and I think that's one of the exciting things about Sundance is that um, we know that this is a place where, you know, films get picked up um, and and have an opportunity to expand beyond this to a wider audience. But there's also the chance that something really important doesn't fit some commercial scheme of some, you know, big distributor or big media corporation. And so you also feel like you as a critic or you as a fan or you as a filmmaker or storyteller uh, are part of the story because, you know, if if – uh, tree falls in the forest, right? So I think that um, th- for me, the big thing is is getting to uh, share back to KRCL listeners as part of this coverage uh, about these stories that you know many people are not going to have the money to go you know to Park City or to um, you know to subscribe to Showtime or whatever the thing is. So I, that that's my big thing about this is is you know shining the light and and using KRCL's platform to do that, which is so important, such an important part of what Radioactive does. It's not just the Lara Jones show, even though you know you're the most well known personality celebrity of of our coverage here. Um, <laughs> Definitely it, celebrity. But yeah. it is, I'm like yeah, on the Z okay. list. But thank you. <laughs> but it, <laughs> you're number two. But it is. Uh, but it is you know a team effort and and so many voices, um, not just uh, the guests, but also the the folks like Rashawn who've become part of the you know become fixtures uh, yeah. as part of the studios here. So um, that's that's my big thing about it. I, I'm also concerned that you know listeners who hear Rashawn, myself, Autumn, kind of very serious. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we have these deep issues that they might miss out on some of the fun of Sunday. And that's where we're going to Eric oh, P. Nelson. That was a professional ah. transition. Oh, look but- at him. Eric and I, I think our lists are almost uh, <laughs> the same. Yeah, it was kind of going through the thing. And Lars like, oh, did you hear about that? I'm like, it's on my yeah. list. Because sometimes, list. sometimes when Sundance comes around, I'm like, I can't take another uh, documentary. Or I'm going to have to open a vein. and and, and it, But there is some stellar documentaries, right? But The Midnight. Yep. Will and Nelson and family. Yeah. All right, Let's Eric, go. you go first. You go it first. is uh, my goal this year is to see all the the midnight films. Uh, Describe the midnight category. And the midnight is it's the late night. It's the weird ones. Sometimes it's skewing towards comedy. This year, it, it's a heavy skew towards horror. Towards skewering um, yes, people. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes <laughs> there's, a, there's a mix of the two. I've seen some really great kind of in the horror comedy genre over the years. Uh, the film Hell Baby always is at the top of my list. Hell that Baby. One, it is a Let's fun one. Let's not go one. there. Oh, but, what a great <laughs> hominy, if you will. <laughs> but, but, but this year, it is, it is uh, 
reanimation. Mm. There is quests for immortality. There are flesh-eating fairies. There's perverse subcultures of hedonistic tourism. There's mm. werewolves. There's the occult. There's uh, martial art heists. Oh, that's mine. There is there is a lot all over the place. The top Ooh, of my list, yes. it, it was um, the film Infinity Pool. Yeah. It's uh, Brandon Cronenberg. It's his follow-up to, I think it was last year, he, he had a Sundance film called Possessor. Um, Cronenberg, mm-hmm. famous. His uh-huh. father, David Cronenberg, uh-huh. um, the king of kind of weird stuff. Um, but I just found out it's going to be released in theaters in, in a week or two. Already. So, I bumped that down because I can go see that you in a couple of weeks. Okay. So, so next up was Onyx, the Fortuitous, and the Talisman of Souls. All right, let's talk about this one. Which just looks fun. Yeah. It is occultist. Yeah, it, it looks like kind of that fun mix of horror, silly comedy. Um, and it stems from uh, an online character, which I had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a short video. It's very popular. And this is the feature length film um, from Onyx the Fortuitous. Mm-hmm. Were you familiar familiar with that? Not with at him? all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, me not at all either. But Andrew Bowser has been doing these viral videos with Onyx. And uh, now he gets to make a movie. That it's sounds the ultimate yeah. kind of mm-hmm. make these fun little short movies and then go beyond it. Yeah, you know, I there was one filmmaker we spoke to last year, and it was just a short that they mm-hmm. were showing, and now working on making a feature film, and that's part of the Sundance process. Yep. Just catching everybody up. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Radioactive. It's your community affairs show here weeknights at 6 on KRCL, and we're talking Sundance. The festival is coming up, and we're doing some uh, quick picks from our panel with Rashawn Leak, host of Roundtable Tuesday, Gavin Dahl, executive director, and apparently pretty hardcore film buff and Eric <laughs> Nelson Eric P Nelson who's our volunteer coordinator but a film buff especially when it comes to the midnight category what else is on your list yep so um, the other midnight I'm not gonna list all these midnights but um, the other one is talk to me mm. it is a it's kids they find a way to conjure spirits with an ancient embalmed hand <laughs> and then things go weird <laughs> I mean, that's just I love it. That's the monkey paw story, yeah. and it and it just looks fun. Another kids one that is on both of our lists. Yep, um, and that is the. Let me find it here on my list. Aliens abducted my parents, and now I kind of uh-huh. feel left out. <laughs> is this the one that has Utah ties? It is Utah ties. Utah filmmaker um, Jake Van Wagener. It was shot all here in Utah. It is a kids' film. It's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and aliens abducted some parents. <sighs> kids try to figure out. I've never liked. I've never went into the kids category. Yeah. Um, I have a reason to. I've got a couple of those. So yeah. I'm going to try to uh, watch this one with my son. You need a little focus group it? Uh, exactly. Well, so he got excited when I said, oh, you get to t- say things onto, onto a radio. So ah. we'll see if he jumps in. He's always curious what goes on in that screening shed. So um, <laughs> it's like, I can't go in there. Exactly. Yeah. So usually it's the midnight category. Yeah. Uh, so he is allowed to watch this one. And uh, they're actually doing the premiere here in Salt Lake on mm-hmm. Friday the 20th at the Broadway. So it's yeah, it's got on. Utah ties. Go. So it's going to be here, which is uh, pretty exciting. I've lost track of how many picks you've had. So go for it. Let's do uh, the other, my documentary was the Hypnosis Squaring the that's Circle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just fun. Album covers, album art. We do the Music record sale movies. here. Mute the glamour Candidate. and the squalor. Yeah, exa- it's 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 just a fun one. I'm excited to. Uh, it's uh, the big one is the Pink Floyd album, um, Adam Hart Mother with the cow on it. Yeah, that was their kind of first big album cover. So that's just going to be a fun album art. Um, wacky artists doing their fun thing. Okay. Um, and then I'll do my. My last one is Cassandro, and that is about professional wrestling. Is this the one where the person creates a character for La Lucha Libre and all that? That's yep. on my list. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, professional wrestling in Mexico. Um, there were characters called Excito characters, which were flamboyant. And um, and they were usually the heels, so the bad guys. Yeah. And, and this guy creates his character, Cassandro, and it kind of blows up. So it's kind of, it's a true story. Um Big fan. I grew up on wrestling, so this will just be a fun uh, 
serious but fun uh, film. No Jack Black, though, right? No Jack okay. Black. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a couple I want to I want to share with you, but I, I had a lot of time with Autumn and talking about Slam Dance. But there's in the U.S. Dramatic Competition, there's one called The Accidental Getaway Driver. Have you guys seen this one? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Long, a Vietnamese driver in Southern California, gets a late night call for a ride. He's in his pajamas. Like, all right, I'm going to go out. And he ends up being a getaway driver in a caper. So I love a good caper movie. And I love that they're putting in, you know, kind of an uber twist on it. And uh, this person's also a senior, this main character. Mm. So hilarity ensues. (laughs) Polite society. Wasn't this on your list too with me, Eric, at midnight? A London schoolgirl and tireless martial artist in training. Rhea Khan is determined to become a world-renowned stunt woman. So anything that has martial arts, and now you're also putting it into women martial artists, I am so there. I remember one year trying to see Jackie Chan at Sundance. All I saw (laughs) was the crowd that was engulfing him as he walked down the street. Because he's not a very tall man. And there were like hundreds of people around him like, that's one of my beefs. That's one of my beefs about Sundance star watching stilts they need to rent stilts the pod generation which apparently is the alfred p sloan feature film prize already um in a not so distant future amid a society madly in love with technology sound familiar Mm. tech giant pegasus offers couples the opportunity to share their pregnancies via detachable artificial wombs or pods so begins Rachel and Alvy's wild ride to parenthood in this brave new world. I actually don't think that's very far. I off. was gonna say, I mean, no, that's I, based on not next year. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. looks that'll be good. I think I saw a recent story about an artificial womb and a horse, uh, a live birth that recently happened. Um, I, I don't know. I have to, might, I have to Snopes that, Gavin. You want to fact are, check me? <laughs> are we doomed or are we wound? <laughs> well, it's gonna get interesting. I'll, I'll say that. And then Animalia, a young pregnant woman finds emancipation as aliens land in Morocco. Are you starting to sense a theme? <laughs> aliens, pregnancy, reproduction, amidst all of our cultural conversations about reproductive rights and horror and aliens. It's just ripe. So I'm going to bring yeah. you back a, a review on that one for sure. Lastly, Willie Nelson and Family is a new uh, indie episodic program that's coming. You're all going to be able to see it. It's probably already been... Uh, slated for Showtime or something. I don't know if you have it on your list at all. I, I haven't seen it, but I I would be mm-hmm. very surprised if that's not already somewhere. I'll try and no. you know, since we're obviously pre-recording this, folks, I'll try and edit in where it's going to show. <laughs> but they're going to present all five episodes of this multi-part film series about a true American icon. So if you need your Willie fix, I still haven't heard if he's putting in an appearance. Either in person or virtually. Yeah, he we... might be busy in the studio recording his seventy third <laughs> album, which is due out yeah. this year. <laughs> oh man, gotta keep Willie. Going. I got hey, if Willie's listening, just know Willie, I got something for you, baby. Yeah. Got some Utah finest. <laughs> <laughs> you want to meet up up in Park City? <laughs> so it's going to be a really great series there. The redheaded stranger and his family, the ins and outs, the highs and the lows, as they say of his career and I don't know how they're going to fit it into just like a few parts yeah. of an ongoing Seriously. series. That's always the hardest yeah. part is they show you mm-hmm. two and then make you wait three months. Well, we're going to wrap with what's been picked up so far and Eric P. Nelson, our Sundance and 60s correspondent, what have you found? It is a lot. There are 99 films at this year's festival. They've and added more since that, I, that count. Uh, have they? Yeah. Okay. And as of when I put all this stuff down, about 20% of the films are already slated for theatrical release, Apple Plus, Amazon, Netflix, HBO. The Little Richard is a CNN and HBO Max collaboration. So So that's that's going to be kind of everywhere. Um, They don't have a date, but I'm guessing that's going to be very soon. Most of the midnight category ones... I've already been picked up. Really? Because they're the weirder uh, ones. Which, is, which was very surprising. Okay, what does that say? Gavin, can you read me tea leaves here? Um, what does that say when the midnight, the more oddball ones, the more dystopian, the more alien, the more abducting ones are already getting picked up? What does that say about what the, they sense the public wants? Fun is marketable. Doom, yeah, not so much. But they got the, the fun in the doom, it looks like. No, right, right. No, I guess I meant gloom. <laughs> gloom. Gloom. Let's let's call my beat the gloom beat. All right. Yep. So, yeah, uh, Cassandra, the wrestling movie, is going to be out there. Um, the Polite Society, the martial arts film, will be out in April. Um, 
You Hurt My Feelings, which is the Julia Louis-Dreyfus film, um, that's going to be good. That is, she's a writer, she puts out her memoir, and she overhears her husband slamming the memoir. Oh, And oh, yeah. it just tears everything. It, it, that's going to be a solid movie. Um, the Michael J. Fox story, which is, that's going to be solid. That uh, got picked up by Apple Plus. That is David Guggenheim um, from Deadwood and in, in Inconvenient Truth. Uh, he did ma- Waiting for Superman at Sundance back in 2010. Hasn't made a movie in a while, but that's the Michael J. Fox story. That's over at Apple TV. So lots of things that we're going to be talking about are going to be out there yep. very soon. So we'll let you know when and where mm-hmm. you can catch those. And you can check krcl.org. The Sundance tab will be popped out across the top bar, but it's always under community affairs. For all of our posts that everyone's going to do, Autumn Thatcher, our red carpet correspondent, is going to be working really hard to get some cool stuff, and we'll bring in as much audio as possible. Plus, everybody here has got to review a couple of the shows that they talked about. Yep. Um, you, you know what I remember is Cody D. And what, oh, did, what, did he, what did he go see? I Mandy, always bring it up. The Mandy. one he walked out on? He walked out he, on it. He's been oh, doing this Nicholas for Cage. 20 years, and he's walked out of one movie. And it was a Nick Cage Mandy. movie. <laughs> and it's just my goal to bring that up every time we do this show. Thank you so much. Happy viewing, and uh, I appreciate you taking some time for uh, a Sundance preview here on Radioactive. Rashawn, let me know if you and Willie hook up. I'll be happy to come and meet you guys. <laughs> All right, well, that sounds like a supplier conversation. I don't want to know. Hold on, my beeper's going off. Let me check. (laughs)